of Western Europe in the next few days. You ask what is our aim? Victory at all costs! You're suggesting we're somehow winning. We're not. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Substandard, sponsored by Quip. I'm Victor Mattis along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you the Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look at our podcasts and search for Substandard. We're there. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm great. Great. JVL, how are you doing? Fantastic. Tell us about it. What's going on? I, uh, as people who watched our Facebook Live when we sat down on Tuesday, uh, two days ago, two days, two days ago, ago yeah. to uh, to tape, my wife, who is a just a lovely, lovely woman and a saint to put up with me, got me the best anniversary present ever. Which is we had our fifteenth anniversary, and she got me my dream watch, the watch that I have been coveting for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Omega Seamaster. Can you explain? Can you say what it is for the people so they know? What kind of watch uh, it's, is it? It's an you Omega. Just said, you just said watch. I mean, it's an Omega Seamaster. Okay. Coaxial movement. It is fantastic. Question. Yes. How is this better than a swatch? <laughs> <laughs> How is it better than a Casio? I'm not going to rise to the bait. Question. <laughs> <laughs> How is it better than like you? You know those like Timex watches that had like the little start and stop thing on them that you wore when you were 13? Mm-hmm. How is it better than that? I'm not going to rise to the bait. I will let my buddy Jason O'Connell take on these questions in the Twitter universe. I would say, it's a, mm. So look, there is something unbelievably romantic and wonderful about having strapped to your wrist uh, a oh, oh, oh. mechanical creation. Mechanical creation. Mm-hmm. By which man. Is using technology that is essentially 140 years old to ah. achieve the same level of time-telling accuracy as the things which require satellites and electricity and all of that. This entire thing functions purely on mechanics. Question. It's just a spring Question. and an escapement. And it, yeah. Question. When the EMP goes off, will that still work? Uh-huh. Yes. Wow, that's like magic. It is. No, so no batteries, much like my watch. It's a uh, what? No batteries? Right, like right. Yes, Wait, this is what an automatic is. No, no, this is what an automatic is. Do you not understand? Motion. No, I clearly don't understand. <laughs> is it, does it, does there it? Are Question. <laughs> Question. Does it? Is it like a perpetual motion device? Yes. Does the second hand wind the rest of the watch so it works forever? No, you wind the watch simply by living. Mm-hmm. And if you were to die and thus stop moving, that then 44 hours later yes. it would stop. That's how long, long it goes as long as you're on. alive. It'll keep on ticking if you don't have it on Question. for a day or two. Question. Mm-hmm. If you just take it off and put it on a shelf for 44 hours, will it stop? At the end of 44 hours, yes. But then, so, Okay. Mm-hmm. How does it work? <laughs> do, do you do you really not understand how mechanical watches work? No. Okay. So I literally, I mean, this is all right. So I'm I, I've been trolling with the swatch questions mm-hmm. and stuff, but this is real. But uh, there was a very real truth mm-hmm. to the trolling yeah, question, which is I don't actually understand why what makes this watch so special. An, an automatic watch. Uh, there are two, when you get to the world of mechanical watches, there are two kinds. There are hand-winding and automatic. The hand-winding watches are watches that, like the Amiga Speedmaster, 
which is the only watch ever worn on the moon, uh, that you wind by hand each day. And those are lovely because it gives you a a personal physical connection to the watch every the morning. Mo- the become, moon. You mean the sound stage. <laughs> it gives you it gives a physical connection to the watch and part of your What's happening over here? I don't know. I Is hear something. Is that okay? Please keep on talking. Is that the EMP? Because I'm going to be able to tell I time. Think it's just happened. Yes. yes. This is my moment. Continue. Continue explaining. And then there are automatic watches, which uh, have an escapement in them, which is a a piece which swings around according to your motion. And mm-hmm. its movement back and forth winds the mainspring. The mainspring is what creates the tension to drive all of the gears and to f- force the watch to tell time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and this is the coaxial escapement, which is proprietary to Amiga and is considered generally probably one of the two or three best movements in the history of watchmaking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry about the... Uh, how many RAM is in it? <laughs> Vic, how was your weekend? My, my it, week- does it have a flash... Question! <laughs> does it have a flash drive? Did you put your Christmas my tree up, week- Vic? Oh, the Christmas tree is up. Now, last week, we were talking about traveling Santa. Yes, Sonny. You really did it good. You had it. He had it good. He had it good. And it's unclear to me how much of it was impromptu or how much of it is thought out because that was really, <laughs> I mean, I just learned about really this watch no, two days ago. Well, I've only had two days. <laughs> I've only had two days to plot this out. So Come on. Do you want to wear it? Do you want to feel what it feel what it feels like? I would Absolutely let you wear it. Absolutely not. I would let you wear it. I don't want to. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. No, it's like having a car strapped to your wrist. It's fine. It's heavy. It's heavy. Heavy. Yeah. It would, you know, Sonny, you would look, with based on your sartorial did she, splendor, did she buy this you'd look good in a watch. Or is it used? I don't... Uh, she did buy it new, but I would have been happy with a used one. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the, What material is it? Like, what's Stainless the, what's steel. What's the metal? The metal is steel, but the, the bezel, the bezel, do you know what a bezel is, Sonny? Is it this part? Mm-hmm. Is ceramic. So it's even harder than steel. Wow! So it, uh, the Seamaster, you go uh, uh, when you go deep sea diving, that sort of a thing. Question. So question. Uh, <laughs> which is better, the Seamaster or the Beastmaster? <laughs> the the real question is, what is better, the Submariner or the Seamaster? Which is a a question which. If you want to start a fight in Watch World, mm-hmm. you just sort of walk into a bar and say, so, you know, what? I think the Submariner is better. Or I think the Seamaster is better. And this is like the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry of watches. Among horologists. So I uh, I go to see my sister after we had our, uh, had our anniversary, and I go to eagerly show her my watch. And she says, oh, that's so cute. You get to have a seaman attached to your wrist. I said, it's, it's, it's not... It's not semen. I don't have semen on my wrist. It is it is a sea master. Well, you have a semen. You have one semen on your wrist. Who is a sea master? Vic, how was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was great. Uh, you, you know, we welcome to, to dudes to, chatting. Dudes, dudes chatting about watches. Dudes chatting which about is even watches. more worse than dudes chatting. This is not even morning zoo, good, man. It's worse than morning minute, zoo. Good seven it's minutes. A, I'm, one star. Guys. One star. Watch talk. Unless you're a hor- into horology. Uh, um, so we talked about there traveling Santa. <laughs> And uh, so this this weekend the the drama was Elf on the Shelf. You know Elf on the Shelf, JVL. Sonny, you probably don't know it yet. Or no, I'm I'm pro Elf on the Shelf. Really, because it's surveillance, surveillance state. It's the surveillance state in your house. I love Until it. Until you have to explain at some point. Oh, by the way, this has been a lie. You know, it's not real. But they really go for it, right? They really believe it. Never, never we, tell your never children. Never tell you until they're grown. Adults believing. Tell if they if if they don't believe in Santa, burn their presents in front of them. <laughs> so. Um, we Santa is real. 
Yes, that's right. In case there's any kids listening, um, but just also because that's because true. it's true. No, I mean look, not because there's no, kids listening. No, because it's true. That's Vic. true. No, you're right. Kids, we are. Listen to Santa. Vic. Listen to Vic say we, Santa we is are real. Santa is real. We are Santa is real. Okay, so I'm just going to continue on here. Uh, the uh, so we don't do uh, uh, the Elf on the Shelf, but of course my daughter's friends. Everybody doesn't. So she's always complaining. I want Elf on the Shelf. We said no. You don't need Elf. It's just another thing. No, forget about it. It's just another. Try to forget. We're not doing Elf on the Shelf. So she says, fine. She says, um, I'm going to have my own. She took her Tinkerbell doll and she goes, this is my own elf on the shelf. And don't touch it. And, you know, because you're not supposed to touch it. And she puts it on top of like the stack of our DVDs uh, in the TV room. And she leaves, whatever. Uh, I'm sitting there watching TV, uh, watching football. Uh, Michael's there. And I see the doll. And I said to Michael, Michael, why don't you move the, move the elf? Right now, put it in. So he gets very excited. He puts it on the other spot. We don't say anything. An hour goes by. We're having dinner. She comes in. She goes, "Uh, did somebody move my elf? Who moved my elf? And I said, I didn't move it. And Kate has no idea. I didn't tell her that we had done this. So she goes, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I think the elf moved. I think it moved. While this is happening, Michael had moved it again to a different location. She comes back into the room, sees it, and screams. She shrieks, and she comes running in, crying. She goes, the elf is alive. It's alive, and not in a good way. I thought it would be funny, like, oh, my gosh, see, it's real, behave. Instead, it was, oh, my gosh, like, black magic was, like, something (laughs) happened. And I immediately, oh, I felt so awful, and she's crying and sobbing. And I said to Mike, Michael, don't tell your sister you moved it, you know? And Michael laughs. He goes, it's like Annabelle creation. That's what my, he's never not seen. Not Boss it. Baby. Not Boss Baby. No, Annabelle Creek. I think they've seen probably commercials or something, and it just st- sticks with the kids. Anyway, that was what happened. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. For, thank you. What shows are you allowing your I know, children to watch thing. that have Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, Creation as a commercial? <laughs> or you know what? Maybe it's like an ad on the internet while they oh, can on the internet. Oh, so, on the you internet. Just, so you just let your children watch YouTube by something. themselves. Yeah, Here so you go. Far, Here's Google, so kids. Yeah, Google. So find what you can God. find. That was that. Was that. Uh, but you know, my daughter, my, you know, my daughter, she rebounds pretty quickly. You know, we just, you know, hug it out. You know, and, you know, talk to her in soothing tones, maybe give her a cup of hot cocoa. Speaking of cocoa, at this weekend's box office, cocoa took top honors again with $18 million. I hope this is, I hope the last time I have to come up with a segue for cocoa. Mm. This should be it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Followed by Justice League, which came in second place. Really. A, a whopping nine and a half million. Yeah, it's doing real well. Warner Brothers very happy with that return. Do you have nine and a half million dollars, Sonny? I do, oh. actually. Well, do you know? Mind, then. You're do doing you know, just as well. You know, as Justice you know where I have it in Bitcoin. Oh, <laughs> you're in great shape. I have seven bitcoins, and they're worth a billion dollars now. No, three three billion. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, sh- one hundred million. It's over now. Uh, Zero. Wonder came in at third. The Disaster Artist made it up to four. Um, all the way down uh, in the 15th spot, but only in 53 theaters so far was Darkest Hour. Yeah. JVL, did you see Darkest Hour? Sure did. Great. You saw we it. all saw it, right? We all saw it. I think we all saw it. I think, I think there may be a all fourth. All four of us saw it. A fourth it. person <gasps> may have seen it. <gasps> That's right, folks. <gasps> Maybe. Maybe. The return of, look, he's right outside the window right oh now. Come on in. Come on in, Gene. In Darkest Hour, Gary Oldman, a consummate professional, plays Winston Churchill, Britain's immortal beloved prime minister. As Churchill, Oldman's not so smiley. 
He's mostly serious. Black. But seriously, Oldman is the hero Hollywood deserves, but not the one it needs right now. Who I need right now is Lily James, the actress who plays Churchill's secretary. Boy, can she take dick. Tation. In fact, I'd like to ask her how my dictate skills are. Because sometimes I talk too fast. No, no, no. I apologize. It's inappropriate, especially in light of what's happening in the industry. What's happening in the industry right now? No, no, Sonny, I can't talk about it, JVL. You I, no, you should t- I just let, what, what's going on. I, you have to tell our listeners what is happening. You know, we don't get all the inside scoop like Gene. I don't want to go down that dark hole. Things can get pretty hairy. It's a slippery slope. Uh, let me just say one thing. Just one thing. Okay. If Brian Singer invites you to a party on his boat, expect there to be loads of semen, because he can't sail that boat by himself. No, he's got it. Yeah, you mean our, the watch, right? That's our second reference to JVL's, mm. JVL's watch. Yes. Lots of those around. Well, anyway, I give Darkest Hour four stars. This isn't even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> that, uh, was, that was very, very close to the line. That oh, was yes. Very, no, you know, there is very, a very, you know, there's a very controversial seventh grade joke involving <laughs> the word dictate. And I'm not even going to explain the joke uh, because that you can't tell it. Mm. Uh uh, and I hope it works. Uh, we'll see. Uh, what did we think about Darkest Hour? Sonny, you want to give a full review? Uh, you want the big boy review or a JVL? JVL, do you want to you want to do the full review? No, you should do it. Okay. Well, here's I, my full review. Frankly, is that uh, I like the movie and I did not love it, but I did love Gary Oldman in it. Uh, so the dar- Darkest Hour is basically tracks the first three or four weeks of. Uh, Winston Churchill's uh, prime ministership, prime minister, when he was prime minister yeah, the first time, sure. uh, and kind of the 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 drive to keep Britain in the war uh, in during World War Two. You know, it was a very hairy situation. The 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 Brits were trying to flee Europe. Uh, some within his own party were calling to sue for peace with the with the Nazis. And of course, Churchill had for for years and for decades been, or for, well, for years, had been warning against the the evils of Hitler and Nazism. Uh, I I look, this is very much an Oscar bait period piece type movie. It is a movie about a great man who is beset by troubles on all sides and needs to find the wisdom of the people to help him push through the moment and and triumph over the the various uh, uh, iniquities before him. Um, Joe Wright is a perfectly competent director who has the occasional flourish uh, visually that but I, I am not uh, particularly in love with. He's the sort of guy who like who makes a lot of movies that I'm like, yeah, that's that's okay. That's okay. There, there are things I don't like, and there are things I do like. He's, he's okay. Um, and and Dunkirk is very much like this. I mean, it is. Or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Darkest Hour is very much like this. And it's very, it's very interesting to kind of compare this movie to Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a piece of art, is a work of art. It's a great cinematic achievement. Mm. And this is like, uh, as you were describing on the way over, it's kind of like a PBS docudrama. It's not, it's not quite that low on the totem pole. The the movie with Brian Cox is much worse. Uh, visually and in terms of framing. Right, what was that movie called? I can't Churchill. Remember. Oh, it's called Churchill. Churchill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, this is this is pretty staid, I think, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of 
competently but but not not impressively shot. Uh, but look, it is a movie that is anchored by a great performance. If you think as I do that kind of over the top, um, hammy, really scene chewing performances can be can be great. I like I like this sort of thing, and I really like what Oldman does with the role where he is kind of. He he kind he's kind of mumbly and kind of you know quiet at times and then very loud and bombastic and um, uh, he is you know he's not doing the full Christian Bale style body transformation he's wearing prosthetics and it's best fat suit performance since Courtney Cox and it's Friends very good fat suit performance very good fat suit performance but it is also but like I mean look it's acting it's not you know Eddie Murphy is Professor Clump uh, anyway I I like I mostly like it. I don't love it, and uh, I, if you are into, like, kind of, again, the big, hammy, Oscar-bait, right. Oscar-style performances, Oscar-bait. then this is the movie for you. Did it qualify for Golden Globe noms or no? Yeah, I think it, so. I think it got... Did he get I think then? it got some. I think Oldman got... Yeah. I, honestly, I don't. Okay. I, I didn't really right. look at the Golden Globes, because the Golden Globes are a farce. Mm-hmm. J- corrupt, corrupt farce. Well, yes, I know it is, because yeah. uh, that movie, Get Out, is under comedy. Right. I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> JVL, your thoughts? I I really didn't like it. I really didn't like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I so I have a a strange viewing experience here because I I know quite a lot about Churchill. Uh, he's like the only major figure that I've spent a lot of time reading about, uh, and I am just this week was actually reading the final installment of William Manchester's three-volume... Can you grab that for me, Sonny? Thanks. Three-volume biography of Churchill. And in fact, just this week, I read the section, totally by coincidence, I didn't do this for the show uh, or do this for the movie, the section which covers this like four- or five-week period, which is in this. And I... Am not bothered by the historical inaccuracies. They don't. They don't bug me. Um, unlike Sonny, I do think that movies like this owe something to history. So, like having Winston Churchill go into the underground to figure out right. what to do. We should. We should discuss this. Scene but you. In, I think. But in, in I, length, I thought, I thought you were going to say that you were not bothered by the inaccuracy because that's a huge inaccuracy. Yeah, it's I mean, a huge inaccuracy. Is... But but that actually doesn't bother me about it. Huh. Um, what bothers me is that. Well, well, we can right. Well, I have a large it, discussion about this, oh, Victorino. What were your thoughts? I didn't. The answer is I really didn't like it. I liked, and I'll tell you why later. I, I liked it for. I mean, my expectation was that I was hoping that we were not going to see battles at Dunkirk because that just would pale in comparison to Dunkirk. So I was happy that it focused just on, you know, uh, Churchill. I'm a big fan of Gary Oldman. I like Gary Oldman, so I enjoyed it as well. I thought Christian Scott Thomas was great, mm. and I was, and I, of course Lily James. I really do like her. She was cousin Rose in Downton Abbey. If you watch it, not that I watched it, but it was on that show, and uh, I loved it until the London Underground scene, which I thought was obviously cheesy. And then there's a part where he quotes, so and then and as he doing Cicero, was that who was quoting? And yep. then the other passenger, uh, passenger fifty seven. Come on. That's racist. Wow. Wow. I'm not commenting, but the point is yes. The point is yes. And he finishes the quote, and it's this lesson learned, and I thought it was the end of Volcano. That's all. <laughs> you know, wait, what? So 
I and I just knew that obviously they had taken liberties, and you know, I mean, I understand the. Uh, I think the director had said elsewhere about how you know doing their research about Churchill popping up in different places and talking to the commoners and getting their opinion. So that's you know yes, but but this part it was a bit much. It was a bit it's much. A device. Were it's a I, device. Were either of you bothered by Joe Wright's? insane over-reliance on overhead shots. I noticed it three Because he went to that yes. well like four too many times for me. And I, the God's eye view, I just kept thinking to myself, okay, it was sort of artistic the first time. Yes. And the one with Churchill in the umbrella, the one with Churchill in the umbrella, the last shot, I thought again, I said, I get it, but you know, he was really yeah. excited yeah. about yeah. it. But it's like he has no other tools in the toolbox. Right. Well, right. I, I'm, some of those shots I thought worked really well, though. For instance, uh, the the tracking shot through Calais, yeah. where he yeah. he goes through the 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 wounded men, through the kind of aggrieved officers. Who are hanging on but barely, and then I guess up the chimney. Yep. I, no, out. I like that. I, like I thought that, that was. Scene. I thought that was a great. I thought that was a great. Shot. And then and the a bombers. Very efficient, a very efficient way of showing the cost of what Churchill had had ordered to yeah. uh, ensure the evacuation of Dunkirk, and it got in it. In it. In it. Did it. It did it in a way that uh, was small enough to not like feel like in, it was in competition with. Nolan's Dunkirk, but also was big enough to give you mm-hmm. a sense of the moment. And it I went, thought that was really well when done. It went up, and then it went back down again with the bomb. Right, right, right. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. The the camera tracks through. How about the other the seven times he well, leaned I mean, on? Like, I'm, no, this is. And then and then and then the USS Arizona was blown up after that when the bomb landed. It was, it was the Michael Bay shot. It was the, it was Michael, the Michael Bay shot, famous yeah. for yes. Um, Except so, it was like the Michael Bay shot if we saw the bomb coming out of the ship first. Yes, exactly. If we like followed right. Cuba Gooding Jr. Right, through, right, the, through ship, the ship with his then, tray of breakfast, and then like went up the breakfast. and then and the pot the of coffee. Came down. Uh, obviously, I mean, but you talk about how you. Uh, so you you really the, hate you really yeah, hate yeah, the the tube the tube yeah. scene. No, I don't. So this is what I'm saying. But that's actually not my. That's actually not what bothers me about the movie. Okay. What bothers me about the movie is this. I'm going to have to monologue at you for like two minutes. Go I'm on, sorry. Go for it. Um, this story, the story of May 1940, and again, I have this all fresh in my mind because I just read what is the basically the definitive authoritative account of it this week, uh, is unbelievably cinematic. You can't make it up and you can't improve on it. It involves the comeuppance of an entire political class mm-hmm. in Britain the ascension of a flawed genius to a position that he has blatantly and very unattractively pursued for his entire life, the blitzkrieg fall of an entire continent, the craven betrayal of France's accord with the British uh, and their promise that they would not seek a separate peace, the fight within France of a war between a war hero turned traitor in Marshal Patan who tried to have a rising stalwart, Charles de Gaulle, who's literally named de Gaulle in France, killed. Patan tries to get him killed because he's worried about him running off to establish a free France in, in Britain. You then have, this is all within, again, it was all within the same four-week period. One of the great military strategic failures of all time in the Maginot Line being circumvented. One of the great military routes of all time with the German evisceration of the French army. And then one of the only retreats in the history of war that ends up being a decisive strategic victory. And all of this is set in motion by a guy who was a professional writer and who saw as his principal weapon to fight Hitler being his ability to use words. And over the course of this month, you have two or three of the greatest speeches ever made in the English language, and one of which probably ranks with or above Gettysburg as one of the greatest pieces of political oratory ever. 
All of these tools are sitting on the table to tell this story. And in my view, I am very sensitive that I I feel like I'm making the mirror image uh, criticism here of what John Podhoritz did with Dunkirk, where I'm saying that it just isn't the movie that I wanted it to be. But what I'm saying is it actually was the movie I wanted it to be, but it was just a lousy version of it. I, I believe that the actual history of this is impossible to be improved upon as a narrative construct mm-hmm. and that everything they did in the service of narration and devices actually was a worse dramatic and storytelling choice than simple fidelity would have been. Mm-hmm. I will. So let me counter by saying that I thought that the. I thought that Wright's decision to structure the film around the three great speeches was smart and was the, the, uh, the, the right way to do it for the story he is trying to tell, which is, as a line towards the end of the movie, they're not very subtle about this. They're, one of the characters says he's mobilized the English language for war. Like he is, I mean, this is, this is, this is a movie about the ways in which oratory and speech um, can inspire and uh, uh, create a will to survive, and I, I think that I frankly I think they do a very good job of this with the the opening speech to Parliament, the BBC address uh, midway through, or maybe about forty minutes through, and then and then the final speech at the end, where they they frankly you know um, have very explicitly structured the film around this idea. Now I look I, I I understand what you're saying that there is much more to the story that could have been told but this is a story that is rather explicitly set from the point of view of Churchill and in his you know little little world in his little world of political intrigue and I'm not I like I, you could have, I guess, done more with the Maginot line, but I. How long is this movie well, supposed not, to I'm be? I'm not saying you have to include all of it. We'll come back to this. I think we have to do something. No, well, no. Right? I was going to say it's it's very interesting because <clears throat> I too am very, you know, well versed in May 1940. But I read other sources, uh, not Churchill. You know, the, uh, the the biography of Heinz Guderian, for example. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just kidding. Rommel, I'm just kidding. Rommel, Rommel, Rommel was there. Rommel was there. He led the Panzer. Uh, he was a Panzer. Uh, 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 <clears throat> Commander, their leader, general. Uh, no, uh, but obviously uh, from the other side, from the Churchill side, it sounds like I need to uh, brush up on my history. Ah! All right, everybody buckle up for essentially the longest read ever because this is for a product I'm actually really jazzed about. Speaking of which, speaking of which, let's be honest. You're supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes twice a day, but do you? Whether your answer is yes, no, or maybe... You need Quip, the electric toothbrush that looks like it was designed by Apple and cleans like premium electric toothbrushes, but without the high price. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into an ultra-slim design with guiding pulses to simplify better brushing at a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes. Quip comes with a mount that goes right on your mirror, fitting seamlessly into your daily routine. No charger, no wires. It means the Quip is compact and light to make brushing twice daily easy at home and on the road. Quip also offers an optional subscription plan, delivering new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month schedule for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. 
And just in time for the holidays, Quip is the ideal size and price to gift anyone on your list. You can even include automatic brush head deliveries for a year to ensure your gift keeps giving until next holiday. The Quip electric toothbrush is featured in just about every gift guide this year, including GQ, Forbes, and Men's Health. Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I haven't gotten my first Quip yet. It is shipping right now, and I'm quite excited because, I don't know if you know this about me, Victorino, uh, I am, uh, dental hygiene is one of my eccentricities. I am really, really into mm-hmm. dental hygiene. I would say I spend a long time. I'm a I'm diligent not, flosser. I, I, I am not familiar with your oral history. I once went, uh, I believe my streak was two years and seven months flossing every single day, no matter what. Uh, yes. I've become that Never way. missing. No, I've become Never a, missing. I become, yeah. uh, and as such, I have a love-hate relationship with my current electric toothbrush because on the one hand, all of the literature says that your results are better with electric than they are with manual because the key is consistency. You brush twice a day, two minutes a day, you make sure you're not pressing too hard, and you get a new brush head every three months. The re- do you know why this? So the reason you get a new brush head every three months is because over time, as you use the bristles, the bristles, they go from being rounded to being sharp. They develop edges on them. Now, that's bad for both the enamel and your gums. This is all. By the way, none of this is like product read. Um, this <laughs> well, is that, actual that, like that, that, things that I care about. Yes, okay. uh, so the electrics are great, but on the other hand, they're expensive as the brush, uh, as the, the handle, and the replacement heads are insanely expensive. It, it's like razors, you know, mm-hmm. like they get you with the blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're so pricey, I find myself as wedded as I am to this stuff, sometimes trying to push it and use that brush head for an extra month, then longer than I should. And that's bad for you. So why I'm excited about making the move to Quip is because it gives you all the advantage of the traditional electric brush, but with the automatic replacement schedule to make sure that I'm always doing right by my teeth. I am legit excited about this, and I will be sure to update you on it over the next couple of weeks. So, Quip starts at just $25, and right now, when you go to getquip.com slash substandard to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush, that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash substandard, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash substandard. Bravo. Bravo. That was, that was a great read. Good. I'm, I'm legit excited that about That was a great read. And you know, my toothbrush also broke down. My electric toothbrush broke down. I, I should try Quip myself. You know what? Yeah. You could use mine. You guys can share Quips. <laughs> share Quips. Just That'll like be... we did when we... Oh, never mind. Okay. So, uh, but, you know, I, there is, it's, it's amazing with older generations, speaking of uh, oral care, um, they have all sorts of problems. And it's really after the Donna fluoride, and you talk to Richard Starr about this. He has deep thoughts on this, but... You know, dentists, they don't have to do the same things now. There shouldn't be any reason, right, in, in, in the modern world, in the modern age, you know, in industrial world, shall we say, first world, for example, that you would have problems with, you know, at our age, bridges and crowns and things that happen to old people now, I think we're just seeing less of. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I just imagine that there's less of that now because if you brush your teeth twice a day and you floss— Gotta floss, right? I mean, I think that just Gotta changes. It, it, it's a game changer for for the teeth. But you don't. I don't think you'll be hearing much of that when our generation and after gets older. They'll be like, oh, I gotta replace my bridge. You know? Are you trying to transition into something? Or are we no, not at all. No, I'm just talking. I'm just thinking about oral care. Teeth. Yeah, yeah. Are you? You're not. A <laughs> Unlike when I was a kid, I had at one point in time in my life as a kid when I was three, uh, a three year old uh, nine cavities. Wow. I had. I was like Jaws from James Bond. 
with the silver wow. caps. It was horrific. It was horrific. I, I, I didn't get my first cavity until I was midway through my 30s. I, oh. I have never had a cavity. Right. This is, hey. I've heard about this. That's but an amazing is, streak. This is my, but now I'm hitting my mid 30s. I'm, I'm worried. No, Sonny, this you is ever, like let me ask, Lou Gehrig, the Iron Man. Mm, yeah. I'm sure. I, I have a few other questions for Sonny. Have you ever gotten sick before? Do you ever remember getting a cold? Do you remember? I, uh, How much I, have you ever tried one to time, bench? One Unbreakable. Time, one time I was benching and I just had Katie, my two year old, just keep putting paint cans <laughs> on it. She was like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm proving that I'm a superhero. Get get with the program and just kept baby, the, and you just kept on going. I kept going. Yeah, yeah. Do you like do you like swimming? Do you like water? <laughs> no, I almost died once. Oh my gosh! Uh, okay, talking about darkest hour. I don't know if we want to still talk about darkest hour. We can move on to Gary Oldman. If you want I, to have Gary Oldman thoughts, do you think this is uh, Gary? You you would not consider this to be your favorite Gary Oldman, is what you're saying, Jay? I thought his perform. I agree with Sonny that his performance is excellent. He he captures. I mean, it's, he's he is a very good mimic. So he is both mimicking, but is also channeling the legitimate interest of Churchill. He is a nicer Churchill than Churchill was. I mean, this is one of the things which is difficult about Churchill is that he's an interesting figure. He's not a nice guy, right. actually. He was a tyrant. Uh, if we had a Churchill figure today, like, for instance, he was always naked around the help because he did yes. not believe that the help were real people. So, like, you know, he would never be naked in front of the king, but, like, his typist or his secretary or Jock Colville or any of those people, you know, they're not real people. So he would just, like, you know, walk into the bathroom while he was, you know, dictating, take off his clothes, get into the math bath, continue dictating, get out, walk naked to his bedroom, drying himself yes. off. And I would is, say, in today's culture, yes. I would say he would be fired. It he is, could not it serve is, in government. It is it is played in the movie as kind of a quirky, funny thing. Like, oh, the help or the you know the di the dictationist, the secretary has to his like Louis covers James. around like oh right. I'm, what is he, he says? Great liner. I'm coming out in the natural state. Yes, or something. yes. Uh, uh, and and you get you get some of that too in the the John Lithgow version of uh, uh, on the crown on the crown of Churchill. He does the same kind of thing. Where again, it's played like. Almost for laughs and kind of amusingly, like look at this, look at this kooky but old man. This is a guy who was on the make from the minute he was like seventeen years old. I mean, no joke. Like he was angling, you know, using his mother's wealth and connections to try to get good placement with the Fourth Hussars. Uh, I mean, he was a climber. Yeah, like you would. He was in, a striver in ways. Well, yes, but in ways which, absent World War Two. We would look at him as sort of uh, unpleasant and disreputable and gross. I think was it was kind it, of a d bag. But yeah. th this is what's so interesting about him is that World War II is the the exact meeting of a man in a moment, and all of his particular gifts, which made him so unpleasant and made him so difficult to admire and understand, were also what made him the perfect man for that moment and and the essential man in British history. Do you think Darkest Hour does not capture that? I think it does not. No, because I, I really, I mean, I again, I, I, I have to disagree a little bit. I do, I, I do think. I mean, he's that, being led. He's as much as he is leading in that, and that is simply not, not the case. I, mean, I don't think that's true was, at all. I think that is. I think he is, he is struggling against the wishes of men within his own party, men who are supposed to be on his side in this thing, who want him to sue for peace, who want him to push for. Uh, uh, an equitable agreement, which would be surrender, basically, which would which would amount to surrender. And you see the ma the the machinations behind the scene against him, and you see how he basically just says, uh, "F off, 
I'm in charge. Well, but he has more self-doubt than than he actually did. This is what I'm saying. I mean, the idea that he needs to go to the people to be led by the people. I mean, he knew where he was the entire but, time. But, 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 and it but, happened no. that the people were where he was as well. See, but this is the thing is I don't think he has to go to the people to get reassurance. I think he is going to the people so he can understand. where. So, like, what this movie does better than I think a lot of other films uh, or TV shows about Churchill uh, is that it captures his, him as a politician, right? Him actually having to understand what the will of the people is at any given moment. And I think that's useful. I mean, we have to, it's easy to remember him now in a vacuum as kind of a speech giver and a big, you know, but, but he was actually a politician. He had to win votes. Yep. And I think that, I, I think that the, the tube scene, as much of a construction and as much as a silly, um, uh, a historical bit of fiction that it is does well. I think that it kind of gets to his kind of charming the way he could be charming when he wanted to be, and the way he was kind of funny in an irreverent and almost self-deprecating sort of way. So H- Halifax, Lord Halifax, is the principal foil for him yeah, in the yeah. movie, and was probably the worst of the appeasers. Yeah. But did you know, you may have known this, Victorino. So yes. at the time, Lloyd George, who also thought that he was going to be able to replace uh, Churchill. Mm-hmm. So Lloyd George is working behind the scenes to try to take Churchill's prime ministership from him. And simultaneously in Germany, as the Germans are plotting what mm-hmm. the sort of post-war order are going, is going to be, mm-hmm. they are thinking that Lloyd George is the perfect guy to be the head of the head puppet of the, regime. Yeah, I would say, in anybody, if, in any case in history, if you find out that the Nazis yeah, wanted want, you to be in charge of things, you should rethink yeah. all of your yeah. political yeah. choices yeah. and all of your strategic yeah. analyses yeah. of everything. Yeah, realize that you're being taken uh, as a fool. That you're, you yeah. are a fool. Yeah. But, so you know how you guys always make the, you know, the argument, the case for the empire, like the real, the real, you know, the White Walkers in Game of Thrones, right? So is the real hero of Darkest Hour uh, Lord Halifax? Is <laughs> just No, I'm can kidding. I, I'm kidding, I, so here's well, the, But it would, be, it would be Hitler in this oh, case, mm. right? Well, this it, would is, be, it would be Vicks. <laughs> this is Vicks case no, for the empire. not at all. Stannis, by the way, Stannis Baratheon, a nice The one true king. One true king, Stannis Baratheon, is Lord Halifax. Stannis so, Baratheon, the one true king. He <laughs> he sacrificed his own family. Oh my, he, yeah, for if, the good of his people. If, uh, not Iphigenia. Uh, that was uh, in uh, that was uh, Agamemnon's daughter. But similar. is this yeah. the most conservative movie ever made? Because this is a movie which takes as mm-hmm. flatly given mm-hmm. that the peaceniks are fools yes. and yes. traitors. That's an excellent point. And that the only That's rational response. Is I mean, think, can can yeah. you imagine well, this another is movie in which the peace. guy no. talking about let's be reasonable, let's no, not be warmongers I can, is clearly wrong? I can think of one. Yeah, Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Woman. How so? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I no, mean, no, the, 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 guy, the yeah. villain, literally, but, the uh, god of war, Ares, is calling for them to sue for peace because he wants to see more death and destruction. I mean, that's literally. It is the most. That's the most neoconservative film. But of the there, year. he's being duplicitous. Here, they're just fools and they're wrong. Well, okay, yeah. But I mean, yeah. brief aside on Wonder Woman. I watched Patty Jenkins's Arrested Development episode last night. It's Which the one, one where they build a house. And it might, it's either the best or the second best Arrested Development episode ever. Which one? I'm sorry, which one? Is this the fake house? The house where they build the fake, no, no, where the one where they build the fake house. And it's the one where you introduce (laughs) Starla, the business model. Rock, paper, scissors is in it. It's the first Anne. Oh, wait. Uh, Oh, is that the one with with Godzilla? 
Is that, no, 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 that's no, season no. two. This, this is, is season right. one. And they'll open hey, up cupboards just... and cabinets where there's not, it's all props. It's all so props this is in the praise house. of Patty Jenkins. Anyway, yeah. back to normal. I cannot think of a more conservative interpretation. And I don't mean like conservative politically. I mean conservative right, right, worldview. Right, right, right. The world is a dangerous right, right, place right. that sometimes violence is the answer. And, th- and that would fit Again, in that, Wonder that, Woman. Yeah. It's literally the entirety of the plot of Wonder Woman. It, that violence is the answer in the face of greater <laughs> violence. It, it also fit, I mean, I, yeah. like, I, 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 am, I am mediocre on Wonder Woman as well. I just think, like, if we're gonna Fair. admit it, admit Fair. it. Fair. But that's fiction, and this is, right. this is well, a... I, this is a movie designed to offend the sensibilities of the NPR crowd. Do they the get FBN, it? Do well, they get it? I don't think so. So I saw this in Sherlington. So did I. The Sherlington 7. Uh, the Sherlington 7 at a 4.30 weekday show yesterday. You guys should have come to my house. I live like a mile from there. And it was a very full crowd. Uh, I did a quick yes. essay of the crowd Was I got there. Me too. Uh, how, how old was it? What was the I average I was the age? youngest Would person you there it? by 20 years. The I average agree. age was probably like 60 then? Yes. No, the average age was probably late 60s, early 70s. A lot of white hair. All very well-dressed, very nice, white, liberal, gentry, Mm -hmm. retiree, Republican types. And here's the mood of the crowd. When the trailer for The Post played in front of this, at the conclusion of the trailer, the audience erupted into applause. Oh, Oh, no. That didn't happen in ours. And we had a packed audience with a lot of old people. But there was- Did you go with your son? I don't know. I went by myself to the- the, the, You keep saying we. Oh yeah. Well, who'd anyway, you go with? No, no, uh, no did one. You bring a, did uh, you, <laughs> what? I well, here's the funny thing is, I was in Sherlington that, when uh, you were at Sunday, the movies, and I, I did saw it you Sunday. walking out with a striking blonde woman. I wasn't sure. I can't. It believe, wasn't Kate. I can't believe. I can't believe I fell for it. I can't believe I just fell for it. This is like the biggest. It's it's the biggest gaff since uh, you know the old restaurant gaff. You know the old restaurant gaff where the manager. For the record, Kate, I am joking. Yes, I thank did you. Not see him in, in, in a striking like, blonde in, niece. at the Pavillon, and you know the big mistake where the manager sees a guy two days in a row, and the second the second time he says, "Oh, it's so nice to see you uh, yesterday with your wife," and he's with his wife on the yeah. second day. Uh, it's yeah. a, you know, a disaster. No, uh, no, it was packed. And the, the, there was no applause for the post. Um, I thought there might have even been a snicker, but that was maybe just me. Um, <laughs> and there was also the Liam Neeson trailer, which was ridiculous. Commuter, commuter, commuter train. Well, let me guess. He has X amount of time to have it. He has a set of skills. You know, it's, I mean, this is it's so liter- crazy. It, no, it's literally just nonstop, but on a train yeah, instead tra- of an then, airplane. And then the climax, he's like hanging from the train. And it looks so dumb. It's terrible. Not as dumb as, well. Okay. Maybe we'll and talk then, about and the post. Yeah. I've seen it. Oh my I know. We've talked about it. I don't know if you feel comfortable. Well, at some point. When I is it officially? Some come of out? those people some of those people thought that Kay Graham couldn't make the decisions <laughs> because she was a woman. No, it's true. Sonny, it's we true. We could go to Whoa. jail. We could go to jail. Whoa. The Okay. Hashtag me too. And that's gonna probably swear. I asked Sonny this question on the on the on the ride in, which is um the the Post re- received nominations for Golden Globes. Will people, even if they don't like it, even if they don't like it, hypothetically, do you think a lot of voters will just be compelled to choose? They'll have to. We have to pick The Post. I I think this... What this, is the Me Too movie, though? But here's... Whatever the Me Too Handmaid's movie is Tale. this year. No, but I... I well, this is this is the Me Too movie. I mean, the way the movie is... is so, like, the, the one of the closing shots in the movie is they're at the Supreme Court, they're arguing the case, and... Kay Graham walks out by her. The New York Times guy's giving a big speech. I'm the New York Times, and we're <laughs> believing freedom of the press. Says the Washington and, Post and, columnist. And, Kath, and, and Kate Graham, you know, Kay Graham, um, she 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 says, "Oh, we've we've already won our case," and she like walks out the side and and literally lined up on the ramp as she's walking are a bunch of a bunch of youngish women, twenty-ish women with their hands clasped. And, like, 
like, okay, Graham, you're our hero. It's, it, I'm covering it's, my mouth. And you know it just sounds we, so we, should, we should actually, we should, we should all watch it together and just MST3K oh it. You know just, what? I'm rooting for Wonder Woman for Best Picture. That's it. If We've it gets nominated, I'm rooting for Wonder Woman if, for Best Picture. If Over, it gets nominated, I would. I think it will probably get nominated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think this movie. I think this year is actually like kind of wide open for Best Picture. I I I could see. Well, there's I, so many different grievances. You could you could yes. make you could, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the way to put right, it. We don't could, have one clear grievance award winner. Think well, about Get Out. You could you could make a case for Get Out. You could make a case for The Post. Uh, you could get a, an old white male case for Dunkirk. You could make a case for Wonder Woman. I well, I mean, look, I like I know that it's not it's not doing well with the critics because the critics are a bunch of you know awful liberal, terrible terrible people. But the uh, the the well Hollywood never mind. Okay, all right. all right. Yeah. Do we have any other thoughts, Gary Oldman? What is your favorite Gary Oldman? JBL. If I could just Leon. on the spot. Yeah. No. Agreed. Uh, no, no, not, I, not I, true. I think he, no? It's not actually really? my... Uh, you, you guys talk about this, so I need to think about uh, it for a moment. Right. Uh, if I had Sorry. to pick mm-hmm. roles off the top of my head... So we're talking performance or movie that he's in? Uh, performance. 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 Okay. Uh, my, my three favorite are probably uh, Darkest Hour. I think I can, I can include that in this. Uh, the prof- uh, the yeah the professional would be number two, um, and number one is actually the Fifth Element. Oh, Zorg as Zorg. I just I like something about that role has always stuck with me as just like kind of what the, is the accent in Zorg? That's I have what I no idea. I have no idea. I know I have no idea what's going on in a lot of that movie. You know what's getting biz- with his yes with, with the accent. accent. It's kind of just, southern, but what's what's bizarre is uh, you know his that that wacky hairstyle or whatever's going on on his head. Well, he's wearing like a, a, like a transparent cap or something. Yes, yeah. but it's like I'm beginning to see more and more people have that yeah. side of hairstyle. Uh, with a with a, with a a uh, honorable mention to JFK. Lee yes! His Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald, Oswald is just, is, I mm-hmm. it, like, there, JFK, I, I can't tell if it's underrated or if it's properly rated. I, I don't know if this has been kind of a movie that has been lost in the years. It's a or movie it, qua movie. But I, but I know that critics like it a lot because of the way it's edited and the way it's put yeah. together. Uh, but I like his his kind of his performance as Lee Harvey Oswald is just is just pitch perfect. Is kind of confused. Yeah. And if you believe Lee Harvey Oswald to be a patsy, mm-hmm. he plays him as a stupid, confused person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfectly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's the best thing in Air Force One. Oh, <laughs> I totally forgot. Yes. So here is w- what I find so interesting about Oldman as an actor: he can bounce from the meanest, most sinister, heavy villain mm-hmm. to the purest, most lovable, trustworthy guy, like I, aka Sirius Black. Just effortlessly, well, and, and that's that's hard the same to do. Movie. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, even highly... but as Sirius Black, he has to play kind of both, both of those right. extremes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got mm-hmm. to whip back and forth. And of course, I like him as Commissioner Gordon. Right? No, his so Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon, Gordon is Gordon. fantastic. He's, I think I liked him. I, the first time I saw him was at JFK, so I'll always remember that. Uh, but also the professional, because he always reminds me of somebody we used to work with, JVL. I can't remember who. Mm, who uh, is that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know who he? Dracula. He played Dracula. And a very, apparently, a very tense uh, um, uh, filming. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, He's a big drinker, uh, and he would- Used to be. Used to be. Oh, okay. And and would get into uh, 
uh, scuffles apparently with Francis Ford Coppola with uh, Anthony Hopkins sort of intervening. Let me ask you this: He's in Hannibal too. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah Mason, Mason, Berger. Mason Berger, Lost in Space. Oh, mm-hmm. the uh, and 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 Friends, the TV show Friends. Um, he was on Friends. Yeah, he played a, a two bit part, uh, a two episode. Uh, yes, run. Richard Crosby. There you was go. It was the like, one with Monica and Chandler's uh, wedding parts uh, one and two. It was Joey's uh, acting. A coach or something like that. Wait, they must this, have met wait, on the but set. No, but this of is Lost what. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was ah, this, is this the when, connection. Yeah. Yes, with that. Now, let me ask you the study. You met obviously. You interviewed uh, Gary Oldman recently. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Really and Joe for the post. Yeah. Well, and you. That. And what was your feeling meeting him? I um. It was a so I'm I'm actually a very bad journalist. I'm a very bad reporter. I have I have a hard time asking questions that are smart in person like I'm much better over I, like I like to write I don't really like to talk uh, so it was slightly awkward it was a little bit awkward and um, it, it was very it was very interesting talking to him because he was like he's very friendly before I turned the recorder on and then he like went kind of like very introspective and stone-faced and then as soon as I turned it off we started talking and it was like it's like oh this is very very frustrating but I, I have a feeling this is because he has been burned by interviews before oh yeah. remember there was a do, do you guys oh, remember a yeah. couple years ago there was like the playboy interview where he he it was it, it got it went viral yeah. as they say well uh, i don't have any memory of this he had he, he had like posed a hypothetical about you know something about something about the jews in hollywood People can look it up on on oh. the, and it, it just, but it was but it was it was not it was not mm. uh, he mm. was talking in the context of Mel Gibson and like mm-hmm. and it, it was like it was very it was very awkward and weird. Sure, um, did you feel intimidated at all? Well, a little bit. I just felt nervous because I am like I mean, look, I'm I'm a professional, right? Yeah, yeah I, don't get, I don't, I don't get I don't I don't get I don't get overwhelmed by celebrity. That's no, not like not it just doesn't it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I've like talked to a bunch of people who whose work I admire and et cetera, et cetera. But like Gary Oldman has been something of a presence in my life for like and then, 25 and then, and then years. And to see him in person, he's looking and at you. And to see him in person, in person and like it was just very, it was like a little bit, that was a bit much. Let, um, let so ask, I was a little bit, I was a little bit intimidated. Let me ask you, um, more again, in, I'm very bad at my job. What about that's, what about Clint Eastwood? Didn't you try to interview him once? Well, yes, but that was in a slightly different situation. That was in a so we, it was a party at the State Department um, before the it was the. I'm sorry, it's before the Kennedy Center honors. The, yes. the State Department hosts a party. That's right, where all room. of the honorees come, right. but also they invite all of their famous friends. So at this party, I like for instance, met Dave Grohl and talked to him for like five minutes. And it was amazing. And like Dave Grohl is the, like the number one man in America as far as I'm concerned. But like one of one of the people who was there was Clint Eastwood because I think Morgan Freeman was being honored that yeah, year. Yeah. And the person introducing him was Clint Eastwood. And I was trying to get a quote from Clint Eastwood for my story in the Washington Times. And he's talking to people and he's talking to people and I'm kind of sidling up, you know, like the total beta move mail that I and I'm like I'm like hey Mr. Eastwood can I talk to you for a second and he just looked at me and he went (laughs) and I like I you should literally you should see the face I literally shrank back I was like okay now fortunately later you can ask you can ask you know who else was there was Kelly Jane Torrance ah you can ask her about About she she eventually I think got a quote from Clint Uh she was also covering it for the Washington Times he was he was more amenable (laughs) to talking to you know attractive young ladies it's weird I don't I don't know but I I was I was Mr. Mr. Eastwood can I just uh, I was like uh, okay 
He gave you the Grand Torino stare. Is that uh, uh, the the, the, I also the met, uh, sudden death stare? I also yeah. met uh, at that party uh, Joel Cohen. No. Yes, that's right. I remember. Uh, the, the right. Did you so, talk to him or not? Talk to him. him. Yeah, yeah. We talked for a little bit. He was like, he, so I like it was like Mr. Cohen. You know, I just wanted to get your opinion on you know the winners, blah blah. And he was like, you know, how am I supposed to, you know, how am I supposed to say what I feel about the who and you know how you know what do I do? I was like, I don't know. How am I supposed to say what I feel about Joel Cohen? You know, and he just <laughs> looked at me like, don't do that. Don't, oh, don't, don't, wow. don't do that sort of thing. So I was like, really? all right, like, just well because well, it's like I mean it's yeah. like mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. Dude, for the I reckon I said sudden death. I meant sudden impact. Uh, okay. You know what? Deep impact. I'd say Cohen Brothers, greater sign than who? There. Hmm. For me, anyway. It's, I mean, you, yeah, I don't know. I, okay. I, I'm not really sure how you would make that comparison. But Well, it's like gorilla versus shark versus yeah, alligator. Yeah. <sighs> Obviously shark. And the well. <laughs> Did you see that the, story except about for the five hundred year old yeah, shark? Except for when the well runs dry. That's a, that's a green. That's a Greenland shark. They're harmless. The Greenland sharks yeah, you don't just get do in the water. anything. Just get in the water with that Greenland shark. I go swimming with a Greenland shark. Are you okay. kidding? A whale shark. I'd love to ride a whale yeah. shark. Wouldn't it be like a fantasy? Okay, it'd be like right. Aquaman. Yeah, so anyway, you can move send on. me. You can feel free to make fun of me on Twitter for this. I'm bad at my job. I know it. It's good. Okay, uh, Spirit of the Week. Oh, this is good. You know, Winston Churchill was a fan of Johnny Walker, JVL. Sonny, yes, you concur. We, we know Johnny Walker yes. Red. I believe so Red was what he okay. was what Red's he drank fine. when Red's he drank scotch. That's a what a working man's of the Johnny Walkers. That's that, that was look. If you're the, drinking, that a was bo- the wedding. That was the scotch of my wedding. That if you're drinking funny, a bottle yeah. of scotch a day, you yeah. should probably be yeah. you yeah. know doing the fine. Red. Stretch that out. Uh, and so today we have Johnny Walker Black, courtesy of Diageo and Reed Spencer over at Hunter Public Relations. Uh, they sent over. Uh, four bottles of scotch. Ooh. Uh, so this is a great... Hopefully we have four so, more shows left in us. I don't know. So thank you very much for that as well. I, I was going to say as the three other scotches. We'll feature them in future episodes if we have them. Uh, and we encourage you all to try some wonderful... Johnny uh, Walker Black. ...products from the Diageo family. Ready? Johnny Walker. Cal Ela. You ever had that scotch? That's a good one. Oban. I love Oban. Oban. Yeah, Oban's great. Stuff. Very expensive. Lagavulin. Um, and in terms of gin, they've got Tanqueray and Don Julio Tequila, Bailey's. So just remember, folks, to drive, uh, drink, <laughs> drive, <laughs> drink, uh, remember to drink responsibly, especially Christmas parties. Yeah. Who's driving at night? Yeah. Get an Uber. I will say that uh, I am not a big fan of scotch. I, yeah, that surprises I, me. You're I, a bourbon I, guy? I, I much prefer bourbon, and I much prefer rye whiskey to scotch, uh, but-, but. Johnny think? Walker Black oh, is the is the number one scotch as far as I'm concerned. It's just very smooth. very drinkable. It's very. It's drinkable. not. It's not overly. How's it's not aggressive feel? on the smokiness. Silky. Yes. No. No. You no. Know? No. You don't like the. Sometimes smoky. you get you get you get these really peaty oh, or for smoky. Lefroy, you know, Lagavulin. That's sub- like, like the Johnny, Halper. That's all Halper drinks. The Johnny Walker Green, for instance, very peaty. You remember? And that? I just don't. It's I'm discontinued. Not a, yeah. Oh, they don't um, have that anymore. It's gone. If you really? have it, save it. Okay. Corrections, additions. Wait, I have a uh, question. Yes. Shoot. JVL. If you oh. have a bottle of Johnny Walker Green, mm-hmm. now could you get much multiples of MSRP on eBay? That's a good question. Probably. Probably, depending on. Mine evaporated. You guys keep talking. I'm going to effort this. Um, okay. Uh, do you have any corrections or sh- additions, shout outs, anything? Nothing. Uh, no. Okay. I had a lovely time at the AEI holiday party earlier this week with its own wide array of whiskeys. They had a whiskey room, actually. I saw Jonah Goldberg in the distance, uh, but he left probably after he saw me. Yeah, he got scared. He got scared and he ran. I, my, I actually heard my inside sources mm-hmm. at tell, AEI? Me, tell me that Jonah terrified of the substandard he just he runs i think he saw me at a a, a across the room i went over i said you know what 
maybe get a photo together, yeah. make the peace. Yeah, you he can, was gone. Yeah, no, he could, was gone. Could this be true? What, JVL? Two hundred dollars plus yeah. sixty dollars in shipping. That would be I correct. I could say that. Yeah, yeah sure. Absolutely. For a green label, but I mean, it was, what, what was, it was how much? What did green label before? cost? It was, it was less like, than two hundred. I'll it give was, you that. It was much. like one twenty uh, or one thirty before. Is that right? For a seven fifty, blue is I still think. the most expensive. I think there's a platinum out there, but the I platinum. Think blue is still the we top. may be. Maybe I don't know, I, folks. Our friends know. at Diageo, we didn't get the platinum. Perhaps uh, we'll get that in the future. Uh, but you know who it was? It was nice to see at the AI party. Some standard listeners came up to me. Oh, uh, Grant Addison and you Matt. Always Wa- get recognized. Grant you know Addison and Matt Weinstein. People, people don't want people you don't to leave the show. They want you to stay. I don't know about that. Also, they see your head. It's easy to spot. It's like a parade. Blimp. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, yeah, during the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving parade. Okay, that's all the time we're giving to Wait, this. Oh, it was yeah, Grant Addison what? and who else? Uh, Matt Weinset. They both work at AEI oh. and fans of the show. Thanks for um, listening, guys. Yeah, uh, that's for all. This and one more episode. <laughs> and and also a woman uh, uh, stopped no. me. A woman at the Hoover uh, Christmas party. She said, "Oh, I feel like I know you, but I think we've never met." She goes, "Oh yeah, you know, I listen to your show. You know, uh, Woodshop." Yeah. She said to me, yeah. and, then, and then you went to see Darkest Hour with her. Was, <laughs> that was the woman. I forgot. I had a lot to drink. How many parties do you go to? Do you go to every Christmas party you're invited to? I was actually no. kind of curious about this no, because I, no, he was telling no. me about oh, all yeah, these parties. I'm keeping it it's like, who, what you, who's looking after your kids during I've this? I turned down a button. Well, I go alone. Well, I mean, I go without my wife, I should say. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hey. This is the yes. This is a. This I'm, is I'm the, sorry. No, I'm in that mood. Reveals in, so I'm much. In, I'm in that mode because I've been watching episode. the first episodes of The Crown season two. So I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, uh, that's a nice life he had, Prince Philip. Okay, uh, that's definitely all the time we're giving to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch at JB Last. Who has an Instagram apparently, and I have yet to check it out. Again, I don't even know what that is. I don't know, me too. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Just type in substandard under podcasts, and we are there. Leave a review, tell your friends. Until next time. Thank you. I don't understand. Do you like how they, they played Roosevelt as adult? Yeah. Yes. I heard. I, I was again, picturing one of the most conservative movies of all. Like you know the. If you, you know, have horses, you have horses. You can, can send them over the border push them by hand. But I, I thought that was well, also. Was a, yeah. But that's another one of those. I I actually thought that was a great shot. The kind of like slow pull out of. The phone booth. Yeah, I like. I, There's a lot of that. Like, though. like I, the whole I, movie was this. I, this. I am. I. Maybe I need to watch it again. I was. I was not. I was not blown away. I was not underwhelmed by it. I thought it was very fine. It was very. It was like a perfectly acceptable. It was fine, but it was a missed biopic. opportunity. I mean, this was a fat pitch down the middle that turns into a slap single. I mean, the, can I just say this is one of the most interesting stories imaginable. It is easy to tell. They're five or six different ways to tell it and instead we got like TV movie plus great performance from Gary it's Oldman. The, it's the inverse. This is the inverse Dunkirk argument. This is what no, you're no, doing. No, I'm it not saying. What, I'm is. saying he could have taken any one of those stories wait, oh wait, we didn't, we and didn't I actually, like the story We didn't, we didn't actually discuss. Did we, did we Dunkirk or Darkest Hour? Which is better? Are you high? <laughs> uh, Dunkirk, but I really like Gary Oldman. Dunkirk is obviously better. Dunkirk is obviously better. And it and in Dunkirk 
and and the and Darkest Hour, if you look at them back to back, it shows you the ways in which all of the complaints about Dunkirk were facile and childish. Dunkirk, Volcano, Darkest Hour, Dante's Peak. <laughs> yes, accurate. Dunkirk, Armageddon, <laughs> Darkest Hour, Deep Impact. Deep Impact, yes. Dunkirk, Bugs Life, <laughs> Darkest Hour, Ants. Ants. I don't know those. La- I don't know what? those last ones. I've what? never seen them. I've oh never seen either gosh. of them. I've never seen Bugs Life or Ants. You will not. Want- Ants is a mess. Which one was the Woody Allen one? Was that Ants? That's Ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never actually seen either of mm-hmm. them. He falls in love with one of the younger baby ants that he's supposed to be taking <laughs> oh, care of. Oh, I'm sure that was fine. 